0: So you ready? I just I want to share something with you. We've been looking at that great subject of prayer, and uh, I wish to continue with that subject of prayer. Remember, I was mentioning to you about the swords. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So at the tree of life, the, the swords with the cherubim were unsheathed. It's yeah. interesting that after Peter struck off of Malchus' ear, Jesus said, sheath the sword. Yeah. Yeah. So that was part of the prophecy. So the sword that barred the way to the tree of life was holstered. Come, so we can eat of the tree of life. Woo! I love it. Amen. So I just wanted to just touch on something this morning concerning the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Kingdom, and uh, it's what Jesus is all about, what God is all about. He's the king, isn't that right? Kingdom. I don't want to dwell on the kingdom, but an aspect of it, the dom, the king, the domain of the king or the dominion of the king, the rulership, the reign of the king. The kingdom is where the king rules and reigns. And uh, Jesus said it over and over to his disciples. It's interesting that John the Baptist came preaching and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At hand means it's here, it's near. And he was basically saying to them, change your mind, metanoia, change your thinking because the kingdom is here. Now, in the Jewish mind, remember that they referred to Jerusalem as the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And they saw a physical city as the kingdom. When Jesus came preaching, you know, after John, the message was the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, Change your mind because the kingdom of God is here. And Jesus began to elaborate on that. He also, when he started preaching, took over from John and began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. It's near, it's at hand. The disciples, when he sent them out, he said, go and preach this. Say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. All manifestations of the imminence and the presence of the rule and reign of the King Jesus. Amen. And so when the wise men followed the star, it was directly as a result of a prophecy from Balaam. Balaam prophesied it, I believe it was in Deuteronomy 24 verse 19, somewhere around there. Anyway, it's in the Bible. When he said, I see his star, not near but afar off. And he said, a scepter will come out of Israel and out of Judah. And so he said, I see his star. And so it was that prophecy that the wise men studied. And then they went looking when they saw the star. This is the star. And when they arrived in Jerusalem, they said to King Herod, where is he that is born king? of the Jews. So the whole thing of Jesus being king is not new to the New Testament. It's right there. It has its roots right in the Old Testament. And you can find it beginning in Genesis 3:15 when God said to the woman, you're going to bring forth a seed. Woo. That seed is so powerful. You see the slimy serpent snake, he is going to crush its head. You will only bruise his heel. It was prophesied in Isaiah that he will crush the company of the wicked. Amen. And so right throughout, I mean, you have got very accurate. Prophecies, For example, in Zechariah, behold your king, lowly and me, coming and riding in on a donkey, the foal of a donkey. And so that was literally fulfilled. Everybody with me? So right in the beginning, it was typified in the nation of Israel because God led them. God led them through prophets who were just His mouthpieces. It was a theocracy until they decided, we want to be like the world. Let's choose our own king. So they rejected God as king, and they put a flesh man in as king. But God again prophesied it, and he symbolized the coming rule and reign of Jesus when he raised up David. And when David had it in his heart to build a house for God, God said, no, I'm going to build your house. I'm going to establish your house, and your seed will sit on the throne and rule and reign forever. There will never be an end to your kingdom. So then this coming king and Messiah was referred to and known as the son of David. Woo! And so that was the seed Connecting it back to Genesis 3.15. And so all along, right through the Old Testament, right into the New Testament, you see that the competition, the contest between the two kingdoms was, let's destroy the seed because He's coming to crush our heads. Yeah. Amen? Amen. And so that's why you know there was an attempt to destroy and to kill Jesus. Even when the wise men came to Herod. Satan inspired Herod, and he figured it out, worked it out, that Jesus would have to be under the age of two. And that's why all the baby boys below the age of two were killed. He's afraid of the seed. Try to wipe out Moses. Same way. Isn't that right? He's still afraid of the seed. That's why he tried many times to wipe you out. Because of the seed that is in you that's going to crush his head. Come on. He's afraid of the seed. And that's why it says, you know, the promises in Galatians 3. He said the promises to Abraham, to your seed. There wasn't many seeds. It was to one seed. And that seed is Christ's. Is that right? But because of Christ, you are all the seed. So we all have the promise. I love it. So the concept of kingdom is not new. To the New Testament, it's elaborated on. It's expanded in the New Testament. So when Jesus comes, we see the king appear for the first time. Amen? So he became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus came to set up a kingdom. He said to the disciples, it's been your father's good pleasure to bestow on you a kingdom. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Don't go looking for the kingdom say, there it is, here it is. No, the kingdom is within you. So it's that rule and reign of Jesus inside of us. So the territory of the kingdom, the boundaries of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, is not Physical terrain. It's not a mountain or a river or a fence. No, no, no. Its borders are every single human being who has submitted their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. So the kingdom is already global. The kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ is already worldwide, it already has its influence in the entire world. Because of men and women who are submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't force you. He came and revealed himself. He came and preached truth. And in love, we submitted our lives to him. So he's the loving king and we are loving followers. Amen. Amen. He rules by love. Is that okay? And so he just opened the way to the tree of life and we stepped in and we now have life. So John prophesies it in Revelation chapter 1, I believe it's verse 9, where he says, by his blood he's washed us and he's made us a kingdom. A kingdom of priests. He says the same thing in Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. But he just elaborates on it a little bit more. And he adds in one sentence more, which is exceptionally powerful. Do you want to hear the sentence? He says, to rule and reign over the planets in heaven one day, the stars. You'll at least be given a star to rule. No. He says, to rule and reign on earth tells us that's the whole purpose of grace in Romans chapter 5, that by the sacrifice of one, we might reign or rule in this life by one Christ Jesus. And the background of that is Adam's sin. So rulership begins here. Dominion begins here. And so I've submitted my life. So he says, great, the kingdom is in you. But the kingdom is not only in you. You're a son. We touched on that last week. We're son kings. We're king's sons. But sun kings, amen. And we're here to rule and to reign. And so the kingdom is not only in you, but he included you in the kingdom. And he said, now you rule and reign in this life by one Christ Jesus. So we've been brought into submission under him. So there's two things that I want to write down. And that word is agree. So let's agree on the word. Is that okay? Agree. And the other one is submit. All right, agree. The one you agree with, or what you agree with, will have an influence over you. The one you submit to will rule you. Or what you submit to will rule you. And it all begins with agreement. Starts with agreement. And so, with Eve, when she partook of the fruit that she should not, was first agreement. God knows on that day you'll become wise and you'll know everything. Agree. Influence then submitted, ruled. And so when Jesus came, he said, I want you to agree with me. And so we agreed with the truth. His spirit in us bearing witness, teaching us that what he says is true. And therefore, then we submitted to him. So he rules us. He reigns over our life as our loving leader, not by domination or by force, but by willingness from our part, okay? So he doesn't dominate us. We were in a place of being dominated and under the domination of the devil. But I want to thank God that in Colossians 2, he said, no, no, he delivered us. He translated us out of the kingdom of darkness and put us into the kingdom of the son of his love. that is good news, amen? And it was because we agreed with the truth and he was able to influence us, but then lovingly we came to a place where we say, Lord, I submit to you. Now that's important for us to know because, for example, you know, Use whatever. Use soccer as an example. Not that I know much about it. But your position defines your role. Your position defines your role. The goalkeeper has got a different role to a striker, to a defender to her back. And so your position, your position now in the world defines your role. So you've been placed into this world as a God. You've been placed into this world as a king in his kingdom. So your position now defines your role upon the earth. And so we are to co-rule and to co-reign with Jesus. So there's an amazing verse, amazing verse, and it might sound like I'm completely getting off the subject. I am, but I'll find my way back. All right. So I want you to go with me to Matthew 28. This is a good verse. And uh, let's look at it from verses 18 to 20. Then Jesus said unto them, all authority. Woo-hoo. You know that word all? All. I looked it up in the Greek. The only Greek I know is when I go on and I look at the Strong's Concordance, I look at the Greek word, I don't even know how to pronounce it. I just look to see what it means. That's about it. But if you look up the word all, 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 all. It's still all. Yeah, all. Amen. It means all. So Everybody say all. all. He says all. All authority. All. 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 So we're just going to pause there for a moment. The context is that Jesus says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. What he was saying was, Because I have all authority, and in my instruction to tell you to go, I'm giving you some of it. No, 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 it can't be all. I mean, that's just too much. There must be a verse somewhere. Or if we find in the Hebrew or Greek, when it comes to us, it's some. Yeah, no, it's all. It's all. Look at the person next to you and say, you have all authority. All authority. Say, in heaven and on earth. All authority. Now that's mind-blowing. This needs to sit on our heads for a while until it becomes revelation that seeps into the heart. All. The question is, if you're smart Bible students and you come to ACF, so I know you are. You're asking the question. If Jesus was able now to say, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth, what about before? Did he not have all authority before? Okay, I like it. It's good. It's good. I'm making you think. I'm making, I can hear the cogs. I can hear them. Some of them are rusty. You haven't thought for a while. <laughs> now I'm teasing. i It's teasing. Like, did he not have authority before? Yes, he did. He had all authority. So let's just go to the ones. We go to Colossians 1 and says everything was created by Him and for Him. Everything exists through and for Him. So that's Colossians 1. We can go, for example, to another one. John 1, verse 3. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. It tells us all things were made by Him as well. Isn't that right? Let's go to another one. Hebrews chapter 1. That He even sustains all things by the word of His power. So plenty of scriptures to tell us that the pre-existent Jesus, who existed in eternity from all time, had all authority and power. Because He was with God. He was God. Amen? And when God created, God created by Him. So we understand He's got authority. So, and He had authority before. So then how is it? How is it now that He says like it's a new thing, like, woo, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, now go. Well, he had it before. Now, what's the difference now? The difference now is very significant because this difference has a great impact on you and I as kings in the kingdom. So this is now where the tire hits the tarmac as far as you and I are concerned. Because listen, when he was preexistent, in other words, before his incarnation, before he became a man, fully man, you could not step into that authority because it was reserved for God, it was reserved for the Trinity, it was reserved for the Godhead. But he became, he gave up his glory, he put that aside in what the Bible theologians call the kenosis. When he emptied himself. So if we go to Philippians chapter 2 from verse 6, we will see that Paul tells us that we need to put on the same attitude, the same mind that was in Christ. Woo! This is powerful. Okay, so repent for the kingdom is at hand. Metanoia, change your mind. So right now, so in Philippians chapter 2 from verse 6 in the King James translation, Paul says, have the same mind among you. The same mind. What mind? A mind, some people teach we need to have a mind of unity. We are all one. Bind us together, Jesus. Bind us together. Not that mind. So let this mind. What mind? Be in you. The same mind that was in Christ Jesus. What was the mind that was in Christ Jesus? Next verse, because it's got a colon there. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In other words, he wasn't clinging tenaciously. If you're not sure about it, it's just English grammar. If you know English grammar, that's what this verse is saying. I'm not making it say something that it's not saying. This is grammar. The colons and the semicolons are there for a purpose. It's to digest the food. I mean, it's for punctuation. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So what was the mind that was in Christ? I'm equal with God. So when Paul is saying, I want you to have the same mind that was in Christ, basically we're saying he's raised you up as a God to rule and to reign. Have this same mind that was in him, have it in you. So you don't have to grasp for something. When you put your faith in the Lord Jesus, He raised you up and placed you in a place of dominion and rulership and governance and authority in His kingdom. That's a good place for me to pause and for you to go, Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So you're in a place of authority, a place of dominion. By His blood, He washed us and made us kings, and priests unto God to rule and reign on this earth, but we co-rule, we co-reign. He is the King over kings, so we are rulers under that ruler. He is God, capital G. We are God's little G's, so we don't get a personality complex, okay? You know the Jesus Savior syndrome thing, but understanding at the same time that we've got total authority. And so it's important for us to understand all of this, all of this. If we carry on with that passage of Scripture right down to verse 11, we'll see that the Apostle Paul said, who, being God, emptied himself, became of no reputation, humbled himself. And listen, here's the key. Here's the key. This is where it applies to you and me. He took on himself humanity. He became a man he humbled himself and became a man. Everybody say, a man. God became a man. God became flesh and dwelt among us. This is where you're going to start to understand something now. He, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross for our purpose. Verse 9, it says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him A name which is above every other name. Woo! Which means he put him in the highest authority. He has a name higher than any other name. Above any other title, Paul says. Over every dominion, he says in Ephesians chapter 1. Gave him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and tongue confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Isn't that awesome? Awesome. And so why will they bow? They will bow because he's king. They will bow because of his authority. They will bow because of his rulership. They will bow the knee to the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Is that good? And so remember I said, and being found in fashion as a man. There's something that was quoted by Peter in the book of Acts It was quoted again by Paul in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5, quoted in Acts, quoted from Psalm 2. He says this, For unto which of the angels said he at any time? Thou art my son. Good, 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 good. This day. Have I begotten? Not forgotten. Begotten. And again he said, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. Now I'm going to ask, we're going to hold that verse there. Hebrews 1, five from Acts 2 and um, Psalm 2 and Acts, I think it's around 13. Might, might be a bit later. Might be around 3 or 4, I can't remember. Anyway, it's there. It's there. This day. How can God, quoting in the book of Hebrews, referring to Philippians 2, this day have a begotten thee. Surely he existed from the beginning. How is it that now, in time and space, as a grown man, he is now begotten? Begotten means Formed, born, produced, manifest. This day, how how is he born a man? How's it? Surely he existed before. This day have I begotten thee. Oh, I'm so glad. So glad you're asking those questions in your mind. You're so intelligent because now I can answer them. This day. Wow. So we go to Romans chapter one, verse four. In Romans chapter one, verse four it's all going to become clear. And when it comes clear, when it comes together, you're going to go, oh my goodness, OMG. And you're going to step into a new level of authority. Good. So Romans chapter 1, verse 4. It was talking about Jesus, you know, as to his human ancestry, the verse before, descendant of David. But he says he was declared to be the son of God with power and authority. Did he not have it before? Yes, he did. I'm explaining it. Okay. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Woo! Now, let me try and explain it from there, holding that verse on the screen. So, he was God. Paul shows us in Philippians, in many places, he became man like you and I. So, as the Son of God... Yes, power and authority, all. But now he's born as the son of man. Son of man. He empties himself of all his omniscience, his omnipotence, his omnipresence. God becomes a man. Fully a man like you and me. Now he stands as the representative head of a new generation, second Adam, last man, first, you know, of the new creation man. Stands there as our federal head. Stands there, fully man, son of man. Son of man has got great implications for you and I. Son of man. Because he cannot identify with us as a son of God in his preexistent form, the way he was before. He can't. He can have compassion us, but he can't identify. The moment he's born and he takes on flesh, like you and I, he identifies. And he stands as the head of a new man. Now everything that happens to him as the son of man, we can participate in. We can share in it. Is it okay? So let me just try and explain this to you. So he submits to death, and uh, God, you cannot die. God who could never be killed, could not enter the experience of death and conquer it as the son of God. But as the son of man, he is submitted to death. He enters into the experience of death, fully dies, fully dead. And then he said this, I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. And the moment he takes it up, he takes up his life. He suddenly is declared to be the son of God with power by the spirit of holiness because of his resurrection from the dead. Now, for the first time, God's experienced death and conquered death as God, not just ruling over it Then he can't die. He rules over it as flesh and blood man, conquers the greatest enemy. Well, you know that if you've conquered the greatest of the enemy, you've conquered all the others. So he didn't have to experience sickness and overcome sickness. He said, well, let me just go for the captain. Let me go for the main guy because the end result of sickness is death. So, well, okay, forget the flus and colds and all those other kinds of things. Let me enter into death. Let me die. But my body would not even see corruption. So he stands up and he says, all right, I sorted out the main deal now that I've got the keys of death and hell. This is a good sermon, by the way. It looks nothing like that on my notes. So I'm going to listen to the recording and then make notes of it. But, but so he says, now I've got the keys of death and hell. Is that right? I've conquered it. So he just went for the head, chopped off the head, crushed the, the head of the company, defeated it. And then he says, as the son of man, he's identifying with you and me now. So there was a miracle that happened. There's a miracle. I think it's in Matthew 9, but it's definitely in Mark 2. In Mark chapter 2, the lame man that was brought by his friends and led down through the roof in front of Jesus. When he's let down, Jesus looks at him and says, son, he has the power to change people's lives into becoming sons. So grace speaks and says, you're a crippled sinner. I say, son. Woo. He says, your sins are forgiven you. The teachers of the law are sitting there saying, who on earth except God has got the power, the right, the authority to forgive sins? Jesus, knowing their thoughts, asks them a trick question. Which is easier to say, your sins be forgiven you, or to this man, get up and walk? It's easier to say your sins are forgiven because they, you don't have to wait for a manifestation. But to say to a cripple, get up and be healed," well, now that's something else. So he does both. The one was so that you can see that when I say sins are forgiven, they're forgiven. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? And he says, right, get up, take your mat, and go home. And it says that you may know that the Son of Man, identifying, has power on earth to forgive sins. The Matthew commentary says all the people started praising God and going, wow, for the fact that he had given this kind of authority to man. So when Jesus was doing that miracle, he was going, hey, dudes, if he was around today, hey, dudes, check this out. This what I'm doing is for you, dudes, so you can do it too, man. That's kind of what he was saying, sort of-ish, ish. Amen? Is everybody following me? So as the Son of Man, he was saying, this is the kind of authority you've now got. It is so powerful. We've got to understand this. All authority, all authority, all So he brought you in when he identified with us as a son of man. You've heard it before. The son of God became the son of man so that the sons of men can become sons of God. Okay? And what happened was we agree with him. Therefore, we can come under that influence. We agree with it. And because we're under the influence, we submit. And then he rules and reigns in our lives. Is that good? Conversely, never agree with accusations. Never agree with lies of the devil. Never agree with condemnation. Never agree with sickness. Never agree with anything that's not the kingdom. Is that okay? Never agree. Always come under the influence of the kingdom. So Matthew 16, verses 16 to 18. Peter gets this incredible revelation when Jesus says, Who do men say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Not some other prophet, you the Christ. Peter, well done. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed to you this, but my father has revealed this to you. And I want to tell you on this revelation, Peter, this rock revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Is that okay? And verse 17 shall not prevail against. And in verse, verse 19, let's see what verse 19 says. And he says, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The keys. The keys represent authority. The keys represent authority. The keys. If you've got the keys to a building, you have the right of access. You have the right to open and go in. You have the right to lock it and shut out. And he says, Whatever thou shalt bind on earth shall be as having been bound in heaven. And whatever thou shalt loose on earth. So listen to the Amplified Translation. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth, must be what is already bound in heaven, and whatever you loose, declare lawful on earth, must be what is already loosed in heaven. Woo! We're getting to the place of prayer still, okay? You know, I'll have to wrap that up in one sentence, I think. But I mean, if you're getting it, you're getting a teaching on prayer. And he says, what is already loosed in heaven. Now, that was Matthew 16. Now, how many of you know, if God says things in twos and threes, it means he really means it. So let's go to Matthew chapter 18 and verse 18. Now, Jesus is talking about the forgiveness of sins. To Peter's question, how many times must I forgive my brother who sins against me? Up to seven times, I'm being really gracious. And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. In other words, be as compassionate and gracious and forgiving with people like I am with you. Good. So he says, Verily I say unto you, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. This is your executive power. This is your divine right. This is the limitations or the unlimitations of your authority. Where Jesus said, There's stuff in heaven. And if you're looking on earth and it's not in heaven, then you stop it. It's unlawful. But if you look in heaven and it's there, you loose it on earth. It's lawful. In your family, in your homes, in your workplace, and in your country, it doesn't matter where because it's all authority. See, whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed. So he gives us an example of this kind of executive right and uh, because remember he did it in Mark chapter 2. Remember? So let's go to verse 19. And in verse 19, he says, Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, if you come into agreement, that influence will flow. That they shall ask, It shall be done for them by my Father which is in heaven. Verse 20, he goes on to say, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Woo, 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 woo. Amen. Means that we're in agreement with him. And then verse 21, he goes on to say, uh, so when he came and said, Lord, how long my brother sinned against me? i forgiven forgive him seven times. And uh, you know the rest of the story. In verse 22, I think it is, he said 70 times seven. Verse 23, <laughs> let's leave it there. So that's in verse two. But basically, he says, he was talking about the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. How many times shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times, no, 70 times seven. So Jesus was saying to Peter, if you forgive someone their sins, it's forgiven. Because in heaven, it's forgiven. If you don't forgive their sins, in heaven, it's not forgiven. What kind of executive power do you have to speak on his behalf, to execute his words, to see his kingdom released? I said it was in threes. John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus calls them into the room and he says this to them. Well, he appears in the room where they were meeting and he says, the way that my father sent me, I now send you. And he breathed on them and said, receive the spirit. They became the new creation. This was the birth, the new Adams. First Adam, he breathed breath on them. Malachi 2 says he, he retained some of the breath. He retains because he wanted another generation. So he retained some of it, and he was waiting for the day. So this was the day when the early church was formed, and he said, okay, that breath I reserved for the first creation. Now this is the new creation beginning. He breathed on them, the breath of God, and they received the Spirit. And he said, I'm sending you, receive the Holy Ghost, exactly the same way, exactly. Exactly the same commission, exactly the same mandate. In exactly the same role on the field of the world. The exact same function that I have, you now have. Receive the Holy Ghost. And then referring to Matthew 18, Matthew 16, and other versions, he says to them, if you forgive anyone, their sins, they're forgiven. If you don't, they retain. In other words, you have divine authority to speak on my behalf and to act like me. Amen? So when somebody becomes born again, we can say your sins are forgiven you. By the authority of God's word and upon the strength of your confession, I declare your sins forgiven, you are pardoned, you are free. I mean, that's incredible power, incredible authority. So when Jesus came in Matthew 28 and he stood and said all, he was not saying all is the son of God. He was saying all for the first time a man could say all authority in heaven and on earth. Now I'm giving it to you, other men. Yeah. Come on, that does give me goosebumps. This is good. This is good. Amen. And from here, from here, I can go in 20 different directions, but I have to go in one and close in five minutes. And that is, in the all of which is gonna be a miracle, as you know. Prayer is partnership with God. Yeah. Amen. I'm gonna make a statement. I want you to get it in context. John chapter 1, verse 12. He came to the world, even though he made the world, even though he created the world. The world rejected him. The world didn't know him. Came to his own people, the Jews. They received him not. But there were some that did receive him. And to all who received him, he gave the right, the power, to become sons of God. So you have a right. You have authority. You have power. Is that Okay. To be a son of God. To operate in a role for a specific function. To rule and to reign on earth. To finish off what Jesus began. How God anointed all of ACF with the Holy Ghost and power. And they went about doing good. And healing all who were under the power of the devil. So we bring them out of, under the power, and we bring them under the dominion and authority of Jesus Christ. We deliver them because of the word that we speak. There's an incredible power, power and authority. And when Jesus came, he submitted to the religious order, he submitted to the secular order, he submitted to everything, he grew up as a citizen, and he grip as a person. He was submissive to his parents. He submitted himself under authority. He submitted himself under the authority of God. Became obedient to death. But when he stood up, suddenly all authority was on him. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Wonderful counsel, almighty God, everlasting father. The government shall be upon his shoulders. Many, many scriptures, many scriptures. He says, but I'm going to do this through delegated authorities. I need kings in provinces. I need kings in South Africa to rule and reign on my behalf. I need lords in homes and in families. I need ambassadors there. So he delegates his authority. So we operate under delegated authority, relegated authority. So now I want you to know this, that Jesus has all authority, all power, is yes, all power. The power is to exercise the right he has to do all of those things, yep. to implement. Now, I want to say something, and I want you to get it in the right context. Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4. Satan knew that Jesus was coming to take all the kingdoms. So he tried to, to subvert the process. And in the temptation in the wilderness, takes him to an exceeding high mountain, yep. and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world and all its glory, and he says, "All you got to do, bow down and worship me, and I'll give it to you." Now Jesus knew he was going to get it, yeah. but the route was through the cross. Yeah. Satan lied to him, said, "If you will worship me, I'll give it to you." Well, he would never have been able to get it if he had gone that route. Yeah. But Jesus knew, "I'm going to listen, you sniveling little devil." I don't bow down and worship you. I worship God only. So get you out of here. So, and that's what he does with us. But anyway, leaving all of that. So he went to the cross. So Psalm 2, ask of me. And I will give the heathen nations to you as an inheritance. Ask of me. Ask of me. So what is our inheritance? Abraham was heir of the world. That's his inheritance. What's our inheritance? The world. So we've got to get our heads around this, don't we? So he said all, which means all. I don't know if you ever thought about it. Authority in heaven over angels. Authority on earth. In the natural realm, he could calm winds and waves. In the spiritual realm, he had authority over demons. I mean, he would just arrive at a place and they'd thought, ah, leave us alone, Jesus. Just his presence. In the spiritual realm, over the spirits of men and evil men, because he can rule nations. He can influence nations. The heart of the king is in the hand of God, and he can turn his heart whichever way. He's got total authority. Total Authority over our physical bodies that he can resurrect and raise people. He can heal sicknesses. He's got total authority. Even entered into death and said, nobody has to raise me from the dead. I'll raise myself from the dead. Incredible authority. And he's saying, that's what you got. That's what I'm giving you. Wow. We can shape governments. We can change nations. Through prayer all authority, all power. So here's the statement that I'm going to make. And with that, we're heading to a close. The runway lights are in sight. The person of the Spirit was given to us to give us what? We already have what? When God put man on earth, he put man on earth as a delegated authority. He said, everything I do on earth from now on I'll do through you. God can't just come and act on the earth. He's got to come to his executives, the ones to whom he delegated and act through them. There's a sense in which, a sense in which God is coming and working through his proper order of government. There's a sense in which he needs to be invited in. That okay he's not abdicated from the world he's delegated leaders into this world it's the way companies work through delegated authorities managers in positions and so he needs men on earth women on earth to speak or to pray and request and then he will move has everybody got that? so in other words we have the authority but in ourselves we do not have the power in ourselves. That's us. So let's just talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's given to be with us. The person of the Holy Spirit has the power, but without us, does not have the authority. Whatever you bind... So if I don't bind, it's not bound. Whatever you lose, so if I don't loose, it's not loosed. The Holy Spirit has the power. We have the delegated authority. If we will act, we will release the power. So what is prayer in closing? I like what Martin Luther says. It's not to try and convince an unwilling God. It's to search and discover what He wants to do. Yeah. There's two parts to prayer. Yeah. Prayer is very all-inclusive. It's a big word. Prayer. Prayer is it's like worship. Worship is your whole life. Yeah. Prayer basically is your whole life as well. Because yeah. it's also part of worship. Worship is part of prayer. It's all awesome. And so prayer... To me, if I look at prayer, it's like, it's like there are times when we are asking. So Jesus said this, pray like this, Luke 11. I think Matthew 6, I think it's Matthew 6, I know it's Luke 11. Pray like this, our Father, the Father of our sons and kings, who art in heaven. That's where all the reality is, but it needs to be on earth. Thy kingdom is... The what? Thy kingdom Thy. What are we doing? Binding and loosing. Come on. This is good. What is the kingdom? When I'm praying, thy kingdom come. When I'm praying for someone who's sick, I'm praying, your kingdom come. When I'm praying for somebody who's being oppressed by the devil, I'm praying, the kingdom come. When I'm praying for somebody to get saved, I'm praying, your kingdom come. When I'm praying for someone to get broken through financially for a job, I'm praying, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as in life. If they don't have peace, if they're in torment, I'm praying, thy kingdom come when I start to speak peace over their lives. Amen. That's the coming of the kingdom, the rule and the reign, the influence of God. And so prayer is requesting these things. There are times when we turn around and the praying stops. The best example I can think of, I think it's in Luke chapter 9, is where the disciples couldn't cast the demon out of the little boy that was being tormented, thrown into fire, thrown into water. They can't. When they asked Jesus, he said, this kind only goes out by fasting and by prayer. And it's not the inherent power in fasting and prayer as such, but what he was saying is you need to go and spend time with me that you can pick up on the faith to turn around and say, come out of him. Amen. Amen. Get out of that, boy. And so there are times when we pray, not that we don't know the will of God, but I need to pray that I'm in the place that when I turn to speak, I'm releasing the I have the authority to do it. I have the right to do it as his delegate, but I also need the power with which to do it. Because the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk only, 1 Corinthians 6, but of power. Woo! Amen? Truthful speech and the power of God. Weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left hand. I don't know how else to say it. Okay. So prayer. So when you stand to pray, the beginning places, some kings. When you stand to pray, all authority in heaven and on earth has been delegated to you. He is not going to leave heaven, become incarnate again. And come and speak the things you're supposed to speak and I'm supposed to speak. He's not going to leave heaven again to come and to preach the gospel to the lost. He's not leaving heaven again to lay hands on the sick and to cast out demons. He's not. He's put his kings in place. And it's up to us to stand and to do and to act according to the revelation that he's given us. Amen. So if I was you, man, I would start asking, and then not only asking, but there's times when you need to turn around and say, "Be healed in Jesus' name, be healed, you know, be broken through, be you know, be transformed, be whatever, amen." amen. And there's times when you need to speak and act. And uh, some years ago, closing testimony, we had them in, and I, I, I mean, it was an occasion where the boldness of the authority of God came on me, you know, and um, that morning. When we're in the worship, God spoke to me and I spoke it out. And I said, there's a lady, you've been booked for a, an operation next week, a Tuesday, Wednesday. And I think it was the Tuesday. And I said the exact day. You've been booked for an operation next week, Tuesday. And I said, they want to take your womb out. I said, I want to tell you to cancel the operation. God wants to give you a child. There was no response. Shireen stopped the worship a little while later and said, I'm telling you now what Pastor John said. God just showed me it's true. Please, you need to come up, whoever you are. Nobody responded. At the end of the service, I was standing here with Bev and I was pondering on that word because I knew. I knew that it was a word. And I was standing and I looked. Over and, and over there, uh, an Indian lady got up and started walking to me. And the reason why I'm saying Indian was because of, you'll hear now. She started walking towards me, and the Holy Spirit said to me, she's the one. So I turned, she got to about here, and I said, you're the lady. And she said, yes. And um, she was a Hindu, married to a Muslim man. They'd never been to church before. First time in church, they were living about two roads back from over here. And he had driven past the church on the way to work, Muslim man and that morning early woke up and he said you've got to go to that church this morning that church two roads back you got to go she said why and she said I don't know I just woke up and I thought you need to go to that church Hindu girl married to Muslim Muslim man didn't even come to church he just woke up and knew she had to be in this church she's in this church she's sitting there and I say and I started speaking to her. she said I'm an ICU nurse in Carstenhoff Clinic and she began to tell me she said, I'm booked for surgery on Tuesday. They want to take my womb out. We're just newly married. She was in her early 20s, she, and her husband also uh, sort of 24, 25, and they could not have children. And she began to tell me what was wrong with the womb, about 13 things. She had actually had a stroke to the womb. The womb was inverted. She was constantly hemorrhaging. They gave her the wrong contracept. So many things. I mean, you talk about it was impossible, 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 13 times impossible for her to have a baby. And Bev was standing with me, and I said, I want to tell you, this is what God says, cancel the operation. The enemy wants to cut off your seed. Yeah. Yeah. And Bev was standing, I said, put your hand on a wound. We prayed, and I said, God has healed you. Yeah. She went into work on the Monday. The next day, she went to the head doctor and said, I'm canceling surgery. He swore at her, the F word, swore at her, made a sign, a document releasing him of all consequences, and that she knowingly canceled. And her husband was with, and he said, you cannot. And he said, we're young, we want to have children. And he said, choose, try and have a baby or your wife. Because if you try, she's dead. That's what the doctor said. Signed the release form and uh, carried on. Two months later, she goes to work at Carstenhoff Clinic. She's not feeling well. She goes to the head doctor who she was under. He starts shouting and swearing at her again. And he says, you see, and it's that craziness, you know, that crazy thing. Because, you know, the, the sad thing is when the doctor said, why are you canceling? He said, the man of God said so. <laughs> Don't do that, okay? Just pretend, all right? Pretend I didn't say, no. She said, the man of God said. So anyway, he said, that's what I was telling you about. Get into my rooms. And started taking blood tests. He said, well, I can't find anything wrong with her. Her best friend snuck in. Another tube of blood went to the laboratory without her permission, said to them, Please do a This lady was leaving the clinic and she got down the passageway and she just leant against the wall, sank down onto haunts and started crying, said, Jesus, I thought you had healed me. You know, I really want a baby. And her friend came running, going, Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? And she said, I secretly did a blood test and, and you're pregnant. And a beautiful baby girl, beautiful baby girl, and her husband, the Muslim, came and sowed a seed into our television studios. There's a power, come on. The Holy Spirit couldn't do it without the authority. The authority couldn't do it without the power. Come on, it's a human divine cooperation. We're kings. We're sons. We rule and reign on earth. Your situations in your home will only change when you stand up and start to speak from that place. He's not going to come and live in your home. He's not going to come and marry your wife and try and change her. He says, you change her. If you can. I mean, (laughs) I'm teasing. In other words, you act as Christ and she will change. Change. You're the delegated authority. He's not going to come and raise your children. He's given you the authority to raise them. Are you encouraged? Come on, prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. This is the place from which prayer comes. One great saint said this. It was actually Saint Mahatma Gandhi. I'm not saying he was a Christian, but this is what I'm saying. He said prayer is not the occupation for idle old women." what he said. He says, prayer is the function of people who are out to change the world. Prayer. So let's, let's take it away from the whole world. Let's bring it down to your world today. Let's start at the level of your world. What in your world is not the will of God? What in your world is right now not reflective of the kingdom? What in your world has not been loosed that's true of heaven, of the realm where God is. What in your world does not look like the kingdom? What? What in your world? God is not going to send others to come in and prophesy to your world. It's your duty. It's your responsibility. It's your role. It's not even my role. I've got enough in my own life (laughs) for not having to take on the responsibility of your life. You are responsible for your life. What in your circumstances does not look like the kingdom? What has been loosed in your realm that should not be lawful, that should not be functioning? What is operating? What principle? What spirit? You need to change it. You need to change it. What do we do now? We're going to bind and loose. I want you to look into your world. I want you to look into your world, into your life, into your circumstances. And anything that is there that is not lawful, I want you to start binding it right now. Okay? You ready? How does it work? Like this. I bind you. Okay? Everybody say it. We all say it together. I bind you. you. Just say, I bind poverty. I bind sickness. That's how it works is when you speak it. Okay? For 30 seconds, 40 seconds, maybe 60 seconds, we're going to just say, I bind this, I bind this, I release this, I lose this, I lose salvation, I lose finances, I lose breakthrough, I lose a job, I lose healing, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay? Are you all ready? Yes. Come on. If anything's been held back, release release, open, release breakthrough. Come on, start to speak it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Ready, city, go. Father, right now, in the full work of the cross, in the name of of the Lord Jesus Christ as a king as a delegate I stand and I speak things I call things that are not as though they are Lord there are things in my life in my circumstance my family my situation that I look at is not the kingdom it's not God it's not lawful it has no legal right to be there as the authority in my world I stand and speak and say I bind you I bind sickness I cast sickness out I bind it in the name of Jesus I lose I lose health and healing and strength. I release it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Come on, speak of your finances. Release your finances. Come on, bind the work of the enemy to steal and kill and destroy. Come on, say, you spirit of stealing, killing and destruction, I bind you in the name of Jesus. I cast you out of my world, out of my kingdom, out of my domain. I stand as ruler and head in my domain. Come on, all you men. You need to be standing up. If you're married, stand up as the leader of the relationship. Take responsibility and speak. Speak into your family, into your home. You know, as bosses at work, as owners of business, come on, start to decree a thing. Start to declare it. It will happen. It will be even according to your words. Come on, delegated authorities. Father, I lose finances. I lose business. I lose it, Father, in the name of Jesus. Yes. Father, we thank you. Right, everybody say, I release revival in ACF. I release revival in South Africa. Come on, all authority. I release godliness over our government. I release members of parliament getting saved. We want a godly government, godly ANC. We want them all saved. Come on, all authority in heaven and on earth. I bind all crime and corruption, stealing, killing in South Africa. We bind, Lord, all the murders. We bind it. We, we speak against the work of the enemy. Lord, the rape. Lord, the child molestation. We bind that spirit. And then, come on, let's exercise ourselves at a higher level. Bind it in the name of Jesus. Lord, we release revival godliness righteousness in south africa let righteousness exalt this nation of god in the mighty name of jesus i want you to point your fingers to the cameras of these two at the front and start to speak blessing over our live stream audience come on start to declare say i lose blessing i lose salvation i lose healing Look at the cameras. Point at the cameras. Speak. Speak to the people who are watching. Say, we lose financial blessings. Come on, there are people that message in week after week. Say, pray for my son to be saved. Pray for my son to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's speak great blessings. Salvations and healing and miracles and finances and power. Every ministry that's watching, start to say, I speak revival in your ministry. Great power, signs and wonders in Jesus' name in Jesus name now just gently put your hand on the person's shoulder next to you and say I speak every kingdom blessing to them I bind every work of the enemy that is assigned against them I forbid its operation and I release kingdom blessings I release the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to bless to exalt to lift up to heal to advance, to progress in Jesus' name. Come on, the kings have declared it. The kings have spoken it. Somewhere there's a verse that goes something like this, you know, it's the honor the privilege of the king to decree a matter and God to establish it. The kings have decreed. Come on, put your hands on yourself. Say, I've decreed stuff today. God has established it. It shall be manifest in Jesus' name.